0: Welcome back to another episode of the HeartSpare podcast. In this podcast episode, we were joined by two members of the team, Laura and Sarah-Jane, and we spoke to them this week about understanding and embracing organizational culture for project success.
1: Yeah, it'd be good to hear what they've got to say about organizational culture, actually, because they've both worked with a number of different clients, um, and I've heard them talk about, you know, the behaviors that help Projects succeed, um, so how that applies across different organisations, you know, is that piece around how you get the culture to be part of your success? So, yeah, it'd be good to get some, uh, get their thoughts.
0: Yeah, it'd be really good to get their thoughts and hear from their experience. So, without further ado, we'll just get straight into the episode. Hi Laura and SJ, thanks so much um, for joining us on the Heart Square podcast today, it's really great to have you both on um, and have a bit of a chat around organisational culture and what it means uh, for project success. Um, So before we kind of get into that meaty topic, um, I wondered if you could both just give us a little introduction into yourselves and a bit about your role here at Heart Square, if I could start with Laura. Hi, Ellie. Um, Yes, I'm a business change consultant at Heart Square.
2: Um, I have been working on big implementation projects over the last uh, probably year and a half now consistently. So in terms of organisational culture, um, I've spent a lot of time with the organisations I'm working with. I've really got to know their culture um, and I've really seen it, how it can complement the project and and help us achieve success at the project. Um, So, yeah, it's something that I'm sort of very aware of working on such long projects with a couple of clients.
3: Great, thanks so much, Laura. And SJ? Hi, thanks, Ellie. So I'm Sarah Jane. I'm also a business change consultant um, with Heart Square. I've been working on an implementation project for the last uh, year and a half, also, as well as then a number of smaller <clears throat> projects, such as um, business cases. And um, so, from an organisational standpoint, uh, culture standpoint, I've got like the Got to know an organisation throughout a long implementation as well as meeting lots of um, organisations in really short, sharp spaces of time to try and understand what their culture is very quickly. So I've kind of got a bit of a blended approach, I guess, to answering maybe some of your questions.
1: <laughs> <coughs> Excellent. Um, yeah, thanks for joining us today. Uh, yeah, it'd be good to hear what you have to say from the experience you have just talked about. Um, I guess kind of a start of a ten question, you know, we talk a lot about organizational culture. You both referenced it in your in your intros there, but just for the kind of wider audience, when we talk about organizational culture, what actually is it that you're referring to? I know it's a very broad question, but what do what do you mean when you say, you know, I get come to understand an organization's culture? No, Laura, did you want to take that one first?
2: I think um I'm actually in a stage of wrapping up a project and sort of thinking about asking myself how has their culture helped us here? So I've been asking myself really, you know, what elements of, of their their behavior um has come together to form a culture. And I think it's exactly that for me. It's it's how do you work together as a team and and what behaviours do you have or what traits do you have as a result of that? So you see some organizations that are um tend to make decisions as a collective, you know, it's not just a a subject matter expert here or there or a director it's very much they think about the the holistic approach and and if we do this here how will that affect those and it's very much um yeah how, how they approach challenges together how they um make decisions together and they tend to be kind of statements that you can make don't just apply to one person one individual that small team but the organization as a whole so it might be something like as a whole we are um quite brave in our in our approach to projects or in our as an organization we're quite risk averse um so that's to me what I understand by what organizational culture something that applies to not one person and not select few but as a group you can look at them and say this is how they respond to a challenge or this is how they they um work together
3: yeah I um I agree I think for me the word is personality so the way that we ha- all have our individual personalities an organisational culture is almost like the personality of the organisation for the collective. So embedded within that are around kind of the values, the beliefs, um, the mission statement, and all of that stuff that kind of governs, I guess, how people approach their jobs, approach each other, approach the um, the um, the cause, if it's a, a charity, um, or, or what it is that the organisation organisation does, and what are some of those kind of written rules of working in that organization, what are some of those unwritten rules, which I think is kind of Laura, what you were talking about, how they approach a challenge and a project and all of that kind of stuff. So I think for me the the word is the key word is personality.
1: <clears throat> I guess so that's interesting actually because you've shown kind of two different sides to things in in the two sides of the same coin, but Sarah Jane, you've kind of concentrated on sort of or mentioned about kind of behavior and personality. Laura, you focused it, it is it is the same space, but focused it around kind of um, how people work together. The kind of overall ethos, I suppose, around decision making and communication is, is decision making a key part as in how decisions are made. Is that a kind of key? I suppose it's a reflection of an organisation's culture. Is that fair?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think that has to kind of come from the top in terms of how we make decisions. Um, but ideally, in, a, in an ideal project scenario, it would um, be apparent at every level. So it's in terms of, you know, do you delegate? Um, do you give people authority to make a decision? Do you make some, give someone authority to make a decision on someone else's behalf if they're absent? Which when these, we're talking about projects which might last for a couple of years, you know, my personal perspective is that that's really important. It's important that you're not reliant on a, a handful of people to be present in every single conversation and every single uh, you know challenging meeting for them to make decisions so I think um if from the that top level you really do um demonstrate that you, you you believe you've got the right people in the right places at the project and that they have the the skills and the knowledge um to to have that responsibility and, and make some decisions be it you know a very small decision on aesthetics versus you know this is how the functionality should, should work but I think if that message is really strong from the top, everybody does feel that they can say this is what we need, this is what my team needs to succeed. Whereas if um, if you've got sort of uh, the, the opposite approach at the top, which is, no, I need to be around, I always need to hear these conversations, you need to run these decisions by me, it really can undermine some of those um, subject matter experts who really know the detail more. And what it does then is it puts a strain on the organisation because they need to have those key decision makers present or crunch you know, points in, in those crucial conversations. So for me, a good practice around decision making is really important in a project, and it's something that has to come from um the board, the sponsor, and be quite explicit as well. It's not sort of you know, if you feel confident enough, you could do it. It's we are confident in you, and we want you to take ownership here, and we trust you.
1: Yeah, so there's an element of empowerment as well there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. yeah so you've got like say so you've got decisions being made at the right time by the right people, people. In- and they are—they feel empowered. They know that they have the the backing of people actually to make those decisions, which is what then shines through around that personality piece that you're talking about, Sarah Jane, and actually the attachment to the kind of communal buy into vision, mission, calls. <coughs> is that? Um, yeah. Would you kind of uh, agree with that?
3: Yeah, I would, and I think it it also relies upon to a degree that how the sh- the organisation is structured, whether it's a hierarchical structure, if it's Um, more of a democratic um, kind of decision by committee or um, if it's a flat structure I think that there are ways in which the organisation is structured to help either facilitate that kind of decision making and empowerment or not as the case may be so what sometimes I find on projects is you may have a particular culture within a project that may rub up against Uh, organizational culture. So if there is an empowerment of decision-making on a project, but less empowerment of decision-making in the wider organization, there can be a bit of a rub there, which I think can be quite interesting and uh, challenging, Uh, also the opposite. So sometimes there could be empowerment in decision-making across the organization, but within a project, people don't feel empowered to be able to make decisions and are scared to make decisions, for um, perhaps later on down the line that decision being held on their head uh, made within the course of the project the project then becomes BAU and they made that decision but it hasn't worked out so I think that it's you can they kind of uh, are aligned and um, can be in sync with each other between the project and the organization or also out of sync and kind of rub up against each other
1: Yeah,
0: that's a really interesting point, actually. And, you know, having an organisational culture versus a project culture is, I guess, something I hadn't particularly, uh, you know, recognised or perhaps seen before. But the thought that springs to mind off of the back of that is, or a question, if you like, is around, do you think it's important to understand your organisational culture before embarking on a project? And, you know, would that help benefit you know the project in of itself and the success of it. Yeah, I think so. I think um, it, it's
2: important conversation to have at the beginning, which is sort of that you know we are we're starting this project because you know this is our our, our business case. This is the reason. Um, you know what we want to get out of is this, and then link it back to the organisation culture. So what uh, the point yesterday made around you know we don't want anyone being scared of um, being accused, of making the wrong decision or the wrong decision at the wrong time, and having a finger pointed at them. So linking back to that organisational culture and saying, you know, we're embarking on this as an organisation, we recognise as an organisation that we should um, take, you know, we're ready for a change, we need a change, we need an upgrade, Um, and therefore we're working as a project team to, you know, scope out this project, etc. But making it very clear, this is not sort of um, your responsibility if it goes wrong, this is a team effort, it's a team effort. a team approach and going back to that point I made beginning around risk you know it might be that the organisation as a general is averse to risk but the nature of the project they have to take um, you know a risk there so making it clear that um, you know this is a bit different to what we usually do or how we usually um, work but we're acknowledging that as a team and we're uh, we're taking on that challenge as a team together so it's going to be uncomfortable at times and there will be you know times when we're forced to work sort of out of our comfort zone and um, maybe be a bit more daring than we'd like to do or or, or change our processes or you know really modernise over overnight, really. But that's OK, because we're doing it together because it's what we want as an organisation.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point, because, <clears throat> as you say, the, the overall success of a project or an, an initiative, which is about more than just the project itself, isn't it? It's about what the project, what the technology project helps an organisation to achieve. But it does come down to that piece where organizationally you want the people need to be bought in you know they need to tie into the the objectives of the overall program of work and the project that you're delivering and those two things do really need to align don't they so that you're not getting that clash between the culture within the project and the culture within the organization not just for the duration of the project but for the um but for the longer term you know for the piece after the new technology is in place so that the organization then feels that it owns the project owns what it's done and now uses it to drive its strategy forward.
3: I um I agree and I think that to um understand the organization's culture when embarking on a project is crucial, but I think being told or Um, finding out in the early days what an organization's culture is is one thing but unearthing and really discovering what that organizational culture is throughout the course of the project is another so there are a lot of organizations who aspire to have a particular type of culture who maybe aspire to be able to work agile and want to um, have an agile kind of project and methodology and want to adopt that in the future but may not be able to facilitate agile working from the get-go so you may come in thinking oh okay this this um company you know culture wants to be agile and okay yeah let's do a really agile methodology but actually are they actually agile do you find that out when you kind of start to perhaps fail so i think you can ask those questions kind of make an assessment from the beginning of a project but with where those rules kind of what I said in the beginning are unwritten, where there's kind of unwritten things that happen, you kind of have to unearth that throughout the course of the project and maybe have to fail to succeed sometimes as you're kind of on that learning journey.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the things I was going to ask about, actually, because <clears throat> you know, there's an implicit in that conversation about trying to align your project culture with organisational culture. And you've mentioned that, uh, Sir jane there about, you know, Organizations who want to be agile and deliver in an agile fashion, maybe because that's on trend, you know, and considered by many to be the kind of the current most successful path to implementing new tech. But actually, how aware, how much do organizations understand their culture before they set out? You know, people are aspirational, they want to think that they, you know, they can use this kind of more flexible, more modern driven method as an example. But actually, yeah, you guys then go into a project where. The client is almost experimenting with a with a culture and a methodology aren't they and that must surely add risk into your projects
2: yeah it does add risk um but i think that risk is there anyway because when we when we start the project when there's been a handover from sort of um account management and, and there's initial conversations with the client and then we get involved it's a very small group that we start talking um to so as jane said those one or two people that you start the conversation with might believe they're an agile organisation or they might you know refer to themselves in that way but it's only when you start to your project team starts to grow and you get them those subject matter experts involved who might not realise that the same sort of bold claim was made about them or you know maybe they know that as an organisation they're trying to be agile but actually doesn't suit the way that they personally work which is why when I started this um when we started this conversation I said for me it's Organizational culture is how you work as a team, and that kind of overrides one individual. Um, it's almost like you know you're only as strong as your weakest link, and if one person really doesn't understand that approach or agree with that approach or like that approach, you're going to see it kind of fails there. So, yes, there's an element of risk, but I think that risk, if it wasn't sort of the methodology, it would be something else. It would be commitment to resources or um, tech literacy or something like that. So I think there's naturally a, a element of risk when we start these projects because one or two people have made claims or, or assumptions on behalf of a, a wider team um, and especially you know generally the, the the sponsor who's the sort of decision maker the ultimate decision maker on the client side they are one person in an organisation right so they might be commercial or financial that's so they're driven by their one perspective so it's only when you get the other voice and the other stakeholders that come in and you realise actually of course you like this methodology because it suits your role and your your objectives your personal objectives or all or, or whatever, but then you're going to have competing priorities from everywhere. So, for as much as an organizational culture appears to be aligned, there will always be these little um, curveballs that mean things have to change. You have to respond, and you don't know the resource crunch you're going to have. You know, six months later, you don't know. You know, it's all well and good um, signing up to an agile style project, but actually, if there happens to be a, a massive um, peak of work in the middle of these constant sprints of development, that's really going to change things and. If you couldn't predict that piece, piece of work, then how you should know that that, that methodology wasn't really going to work for you. So uh, yes, we're yeah. at risk, but I think projects are risky anyway. I think.
1: Sure. Yeah. So is it then something that then kind of falls on your shoulders when you're in those early stages of a, of a project to try and understand kind of where where the organizational culture is, what kind of project culture is is their natural fit, and then you have to kind of navigate them through so that those two align as best they can is that something that that you see come through come yeah come out in the early part of the project i suppose
3: um i think when i've worked on small projects like a business case for example um right in those early sessions with the first engagement with the organization i'll ask you know how do you how do you describe your culture what are your what are your strengths what are your weaknesses as an organization and then from there i can kind of make a bit of an assessment of Do I think like a particular type of agile methodology could complement the way that your culture works? Or do I think actually you're more the traditional waterfall approach that feels a lot safer for you? So it's kind of like one part. And then it's tapping into do you aspire to work a particular kind of way? Because if you're just matching a project methodology to how they're working as is, but there's no aspiration to change and innovate, then you're not really, depending on the pro- the benefits of the project, you're not really taking them any further forward. Because whilst they're risk, there's also reward. So I think it's understanding where they are now, understanding where they want to be in the future, and then finding that perhaps middle ground to take them on that journey. And in terms of my role on implementation, I think as a PM, you... I think it's that middle ground depending on what that aspiration is that you're not doing things necessarily in a way that you're not going to be able to get anywhere and you're falling at the first hurdle but at the same by the same token it's enough of a change to innovate and to be able to do things differently in the way that the the organization may aspire um, to do it Um, and then leaving perhaps or thinking in the long game that legacy of you can do these agile projects you can do it we've done it um and this is the template for you to go off and do projects in the future in this particular way
0: yeah i was just thinking
2: um I, I was nodding along and i agree with everything is saying but because i haven't been in that new project um place for a while now and i haven't had that kind of introduction to a new team and and there's that decision around what methodology we're going to take forward um that all seems a bit kind of in the in the past minute i don't really rem- remember um that but it all makes a lot of sense. But I was trying to think as, as I was listening, am I constantly doing a sort of assessment on a, a daily or weekly basis on our methodology and the and organisational culture? And I think I am. You know, it's a bit too late for, for my projects now. And we haven't had the need to do a massive reassessment of methodology because it has largely worked for us. But I'm really aware of I, I think I focus on people mainly. So um, the, those core sort of matter experts, the the, the um sort of tight knit uh, project team and like, you know, how are they doing how are they responding to this bit of the project um you know are they are they making decisions the way we'd like them to be making decisions at the moment are they delegating the way you know have they got too much on their plates and do we need to look at a, a bit more of a divide and conquer approach so i tend to, to kind of take notes of that quite frequently um look at the month ahead what have we got project wise over the next month what have they got business as usual wise over the next month will the approach that we've been taking taking continue to work or actually are we going to have to look at something that maybe is out of their comfort zone or a bit different to them because of what's going on so to give an example if you've got big events going on in the background during a a certain month but the project work's still going on so you've still got your development sprints coming out in in the background and we still need their input suddenly we don't have that full team's capacity to attend two or three demos and and do some testing give some feedback so then you've got to say to them for the next month we need to find a way to work around this we know that you like to make decisions as a team. We know you like to all be present there, have some time to debrief afterwards, give your feedback as a team. But your capacity won't allow that because of the events. And we recognise they are, you know, they're very important. They have to continue. We can't move them. We can't take you off them. So how are we going to work around this? And that's when you have the decisions around sort of do you do a, de- a delegation approach where you have one person who goes there. And for the purpose of that sprint, they are the team, they represent the team. Or do you split the team in two? And say half of you go to here half of you go there you know half of you are more project related half of you are more events related um do you look at actually uh is, is it so important that the whole team are there and is it so important to, to success for the project that actually the better thing to do is to change the project plan slightly and, and move things around um i would say ideally not the latter i think that's what you you know what you don't want to do is so rigid in your approach that you you can't possibly come in at it in a different way and you must have everyone there at the same time, um, especially now when we've got sort of increased sick leave and things like that. I think it's really important to have that flexibility. So so yeah, I'm um I'm very aware of sort of how our culture can complement the along the project and how it sort of um it fits, but also when we have to take a little break away from it and say, we're gonna go against the norm here. We're going to have to sort of change things and I think when you've been with a client for a year or so, you know them and you can preempt their reaction to that, and you can say these are the benefits, these are the risks, and we we acknowledge the risks and we know that it'll be uncomfortable for you, but this is how it will help you. And then there's sort of risk mitigation. We can have a second touch point when the event's over and you know, etc., and give them that reassurance piece. But by knowing their culture, you can preempt it. So the way you deliver it is is naturally going to be received in a in a better way, and it's not going to cause a panic. It's going to say okay it's going to come across as this is a a compromise that we need to make and that's the benefit of being so observational along the way and understanding how they work and and how they think
1: yeah and i think that's a really good example actually of um when you talk about personality um whether it's talking about that or about and, and how an organization behaves how they work together you know that um the willingness to whether, well, two things actually. To be flexible. So you've, just, you know, what you're describing there is something where you know you're going along the project is quite happy, but then there is a crunch, and how flexible an organisation will be and the people will be to go beyond their normal modus operandi. You know, to say, okay, no, we accept exceptional circumstances. We are happy to be flexible and to adjust to it, or we will at least push ourselves to do that. Um, so I think that's an interesting point and definitely something that is reflective of an organisational culture. And I think the second thing you drew out there was also the um, how, how prepared business teams are to be to kind of what an SMEs are actually in, in or, um, subject matter experts, your business leads are to be representative and, and a team to be represented by a person. You see, as you say, you can't have the whole team involved in every little thing. How confident are not just the team in their representative, but in the person being a representative to be a channel? That's, again, because that's a key focus or key aspect of a project for you, isn't it? You have to have quite reasonably, reasonably confident personalities, I guess, at least for your business leads. So that they will channel in feedback from their teams and they will cascade down the messaging that you're giving out as you're taking them through the process. So flexibility but and also that kind of representative nature is something that's often quite baked into the DNA of an organisation, would you say?
2: Yeah, and I think that's why, um, going back to the question earlier on about um, decision making and how important it is a culture around decision making, it, it's super important that it's um, quite explicit because if you are asking one person, as you say, to represent their project to the team and their team to the project, they have to be confident and they need to get their confidence by knowing you that know, the, the organisation believes you're the right person to be here. They believe that it's better for you to be here than to pause the project because of resourcing issues or, or whatever the reason that you don't have your team around you um this is a team project and you're not going to get the blame you know if, if something goes wrong you're not um you know you're not going to be a scapegoat so there has to be i think a quite a, a strong culture and a strong mutual understanding around that um but equally i've, I've seen projects where the, the person hasn't had that um skill set despite the um support from the organization so despite the support saying you know We're confident you're the right person, and 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 we want you in that position where they don't have that that um I guess that's not their personal culture. You know that's not how they work. They they believe in decision by committee and they believe in 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 a team approach. So I think um again it goes back to you're only as strong as your weakest link. If that person there uh, doesn't feel that they can do that on behalf of the team, you can't force them. Or if you do force them, you know you're not going to get out of it what you intended to get out of that conversation.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, because there's a really thin line between a couple of times we mentioned decision by committee, which generally has a kind of negative connotation to it. Yeah, because that stymies, that blocks, that, you know, can lead to things just being prevaricated around all over the shop. But on the other hand, we see the positives of a collaborative culture. So it's, Yeah, I don't, yeah I, I don't even know if there is an answer to it, but it it, it is quite a thin line between the two. Isn't it? Is it something that you kind of, Recognising, and maybe you try and navigate a, a client through so that they're on the collaborative side and not being kind of held back by by collective decision making or a desire to be collective in that respect
2: i mean i'm all for collaboration as long as it fits in the project plan yes, <laughs> so I, I don't see um Timely i don't see a problem with it Time collaboration is exactly that i don't see a problem with it i think it's only going to bring benefits if they've got the capacity to have all those behind the scenes conversations you know that i don't need to be involved in that the tech partner doesn't need to be involved in um, it's only going to bring a benefit to the project but realistically in practice that's you know seldom the case it's you know it's hard enough to get uh, our core meetings scheduled in let alone these debriefing meetings and we've made this decision how does that affect you as a team and are you happy for us to take it forward as the final decision so in an ideal world i think collaboration is fantastic but I think my my, um, my approach to projects is if, if the deadline's got to be made, how, uh, the decision's got to be made by the deadline. How it's made is up to you, but it does have to be made. So if you've got the time to meet behind the scenes, fantastic, go for it. If not, how are we going to ensure that everyone's represented here and that you know we're not being hasty with a decision or or sort of very um, closed minded with a decision and we're we are representative of the organisation? Yeah. So is that? I, I wonder
1: whether that behind the scenes work is actually is that something where you can actually see that the project and the organization are aligned and the culture is working and and the project is successfully moving forward because you described it as you know the organization being confident to kind of have conversations and make decisions without you being involved without the tech partner being involved necessarily does that show is that kind of reflective of an alignment between where the client is now kind of at the races in terms of with the, with the culture of the project, you know, so they're making the right decisions at the right time. They're confident now working behind the scenes, working with you as well. It's, is that kind of where Penny's started to drop, do you think?
3: Um, I think on my experience, I think you still need leadership. Mm-hmm. I think there's having a collaborative approach and things happening behind the scenes is all well and good, but you still need to have leadership. And I think that that's okay. And I'm not necessarily saying that that's a hierarchical thing. I just still think you need that driver because the um, the risk is kind of what you were saying, Laura, around collaborative, collaborative decision-making is great as long as it fits in the project plan and you get the decision by the time you need it. And often you need someone to steer the ship. Uh, I still believe in that. So I think that if the... Culture can facilitate collaborative working, collaborative decision making, facilitated by a leader or someone kind of taking the helm on that, making sure things are done by when it's needed, whether that's us as PMs, whether that's the project lead or the sponsor, whoever that may be. I think there's still a need for that. Otherwise, I've seen conversations just can go round and round and round and round because no one wants to step into that role, perhaps, to say, "Okay, guys, what is it that we're doing?" Because you know we need to f- we need to feedback this decision. So I still I, I believe in a blend. I think collaborative decision making with someone um, accountable, responsible for making that decision, communicating it back to project team in a timely manner, but everybody feels empowered to and it played their part in that in that decision, um, and then it's carried forward.
2: I agree with that, SJ, and I really like the word owner in that context, because I think there's something a, a bit less aggressive about saying owner than leader. Um, and it, But it, owner very much um, implies accountability as well, doesn't it? It's like, do what you want behind the scenes for as many meetings as you need to have to come to a, a collective decision, but you own this. So, you know, ultimately, if you've been going around in circles for three weeks and the decisions, in, you know, in two days time, you are the owner. It's on you to get this decision made, um, wrapped up within the two days, and get over to us. Um, and I think by sort of doing a task and saying this needs to be done by this time frame, owned by this individual or this team, and then letting them go away and checking in is a good way to sort of give the guide from our perspective. You know, give, make sure it's uh, the instructions been understood, the action has been assigned to someone, but equally give them the freedom to to figure out how how they get to that decision. And that the better you know an organisation, the sort of the the better you know sort of when to check in with them. You know when are the best check in t- uh, points. And um, do you do you suspect that they might be sort of still going around in circles after two weeks? So do you need to nudge them and say, are we getting to a you know just a resolution yet? Do you have a decision yet? Uh, do you need me to um, can we join any of these conversations just to, to wrap up? Um, but yeah, I think having an owner, as you say, someone who just takes that that uh, Responsibility for that piece of work, how big or small it is, means that you don't get to a decision where they say, well, membership think this and marketing think this and fundraising think this. And we all kind of fight our own corner. You say. Overall, it's owned by membership, so they'll take into account everyone's considerations but they will come back and um, feedback with the decision.
1: Yeah, so what you get then is you have, yeah. <coughs> good. I suppose, the responsible teams, the teams taking responsibility and ownership of their areas. Um, I think the leadership question is a good one, though, because that's, again, where, you know, leadership within the project might conflict with hierarchical leadership within the client organisation. And then you have to be brave on all sides, don't you? You know, as the as the project lead, you have to be prepared to stick your head up, even though, you know, in a different um, environment, you may not speak. I say against, but, you know, but stand up to, you know, put your point across in quite the same way. Is that something you see?
2: And that's why I like the word owner, because you can you can own something and also essentially be making a decision on behalf of you know your line manager or or someone else but it's because that particular element of the system or that process corresponds to you so by using uh, that sort of um, terminology approach you're not getting involved in the politics of the hierarchy of the organization it's um quite often you know a projects driven by one team it's very much a membership focused project or a grants focused project but that doesn't mean that there aren't smaller owners within the project so it's it's a membership project, but for this small element here, it's finance who own this decision. Um, and so that's how, how it helps you kind of, yeah, navigate around that hierarchy and, and uh, natural order or decision making that might live outside of the project context.
0: Yeah, no, it's really interesting. And um, I just, I guess, conscious of time, because, you know, we can, there's so many different facets that we could, you know, kind of open up and discuss on, on this topic really. Um, just as kind of a final question for you both then, um, before we, we close out today is what, what kind of take home um, would you give um, somebody listening to this about a key, a key aspect of organisational culture that is important for project success? So whether it's embracing it or just understanding it at the outset um, or any of the points we discussed today really, what would you say um, as a takeaway for anyone listening?
2: i think mine might be around um that like constant observation and and, um kind of 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 behaviors and attitudes and priorities and just making sure that you are circling back to sort of the as an organization we've started this together you know as an organization we're ready for this challenge um you know don't, don't be don't be alarmed by the sort of the, the the pressure you're feeling right now because as a team you've you're looking to get these outcomes um and yes yeah, so it's sort of that that uh acknowledgement that the project culture at times might be quite different to organizational culture so linking it back and saying you know this this is particularly high pressure this is particularly high risk at the moment or or um reset resource intense but you know remember that as an organisation you've made, you know, these are your shared goals, these are your shared interests, and uh, this is just a, a sort, of, sort of tool to help us get there. So acknowledging that people are maybe being asked to do something that's not natural for them and different, and let them know it's okay, and it, it will go back to feeling okay and, and <laughs> familiar.
1: Sarah-Jane? Do
3: you... Well, project success, I, I guess, and a takeaway, I think my experience has been if you're project team, those on the project feel empowered to make decisions and they feel supported by the wider organization, by their line managers. I feel that leads to a greater level of success on a project than if there is more of a micromanagement I guess um, approach to a project. Um, we're not all meant to know everything. Whatever our role is on a project, we work as a a kind of an, to me, it's like a living, breathing organism like this. Um, And I think that if you can empower people to play their part in the machine and people bring that to the table and feel supported to do that without fear or judgment of then those decisions, maybe they might be right, they might be wrong. I feel that that will enable project success over any other approach and so that would be my key takeaway is to ensure that whether that's the project culture whether that's the organizational culture but ensure that people on the project feel empowered to be able to do their part will lead to greater project success
0: amazing Thanks so much um, Laura and SJ for those really great takeaways and uh, again for joining us on the podcast today. It's been really great to sit down and have a chat with you both so thank you so much. So we hope you enjoyed that episode with Laura and Sarah-Jane. It was really great to get their thoughts and you know from their experience of organisational culture. Um, It was interesting to hear actually their different perspective on the definition um, of organisational culture, how it manifests in the projects, and in essentially how you can embrace it for successful projects.
1: Yeah, they put up some really good points, didn't they, like say, around kind you know, <clears throat> is it about the behaviours, the personality of an organization, about how decisions are made and how we communicate. Um, and I, I thought the the piece around you know the balance you have to strike between decision by committee versus a collaborative culture because you want to be collaborative but you can't but you have to make timely decisions um yeah really really interesting hearing their take on that particular uh, aspect as well
0: yeah definitely so we hope you enjoyed the episode and if you did be sure to leave us a review and even better still subscribe so you get notified of the latest episodes don't forget, you can follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter by searching hearts where you'll find loads more content on leadership, digital culture and capability. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.